Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode nine of our Unhappy Not Ill podcast. Hello. For those that have been listening in or not, here's a little reminder of who we are. So I'm Esty. I'm Vanessa. And we are a married couple and here to talk about Vanessa's story. Um, I think you guys will remember from last episode's teaser that this episode is called True Love. So basically it's all about Esty. Yay, finally I get to talk. Although really what she doesn't know is my true loves are sat at home currently waiting for their mummies to come back. Are they really, really hairy? Yeah, they're really furry. They're really reliable. <laughs> um, just for clarity, guys, this isn't going to be like a mess, a mess of cheese. This is going to be, um, I guess, the reason why we're here today, which is um, how Vanessa and I got together, what made us unique and different. Um, and I guess how I... Just how we worked. Yeah, but how we worked, but also how I've kind of been really the only person that's managed to tease all of this episodes out of you and get you to talk that's just because you're bossy and controlling <laughs> though lovely <laughs> um so yeah true love episode nine here we go um Vanessa I think it's probably worth you kind of giving our listeners a bit of a view of what it was like just before you met me it was wonderful <laughs> <laughs> no um it's uh yeah, so it's it feels like a lifetime ago actually because the the irony is that I don't really remember much of my romantic life before you. Um but I do know that I'd had a period of time where I decided to abstain from relationships. Yeah. Um so from my mid 30s I decided that I was I think I was getting a little bit more comfortable with the idea that I didn't necessarily have to be with someone um and why is that because I was getting to know myself and I was also experiencing the trauma of being in bad relationships you know and I don't mean bad as in physically bad but just you know they weren't bringing out the best in me um and so they were just compounding my sort of mental health issues so I just got to a point where I started to um take control of my life and one of the things I, you know, everybody talks about it. I don't think anybody really listens to it until you get to a certain point in your life. But they always say you can never, you'll never find anyone to love you until you love yourself. And I think that's very true. I, I didn't love myself. And I think that when I was younger, I had so much love from my family. Um, and then when I kind of grew up and I think I was emotionally a little bit immature in my development because of the way my life had been shaped but I didn't cope well when I wasn't around the love of my family so I was trying to find or replicate that love and we talked in the previous episodes about Alfie and I think he really plugged that gap for me yeah so he kind of gave me the courage to just think well sod it you know what I'm not doing this shit anymore because people are doing my head in. Um, so I'd taken a sabbatical, let's call it that, hmm. from relationships and yeah. I was all right. I was I was quite happy um, and I just decided <laughs> wrongly that I was going to focus on my career. I thought, well, you know what, I'm, I'm good at what I do. I'll focus on that and I'll just make loads of money and um, be very successful. And then you ruined all of that. <laughs> you ruined my career. <laughs> you stopped me making money. You just spent all my money. No, not really. 
Go on, tell the truth. No. So no, then I it was <laughs> it was interesting. I was between jobs. So I'd left I'd left a job and um I had a great opportunity presented to me and I took some time out and I decided to go to Milan. Um I thought it'd be really nice to have a weekend and I say time out, you know, a couple of weeks. Um so I went to Milan for the weekend and my friends at the time came with me um, and my little sister was coming because she was having a bit of a torrid time with her then boyfriend now husband um, and she asked if you could come along. I was for, for context um, uh, Vanessa's sister's friend um, hence why I got the invite. Thanks yeah. Amanda. <laughs> so um, yeah so my little sister had known Esty for a few years before I'd met her and I'd heard lots of um, interesting stories about Esty, but I'd never met her, but she'd met my family. She'd spent time in my parents' home. Um, anyway, so when Amanda said, could Esty come along? I was like, yeah, why not? I was in a good mood. I was feeling quite willing to get to know new people. Um, but d little did I know that that day that I met you in the, I think it was like a Hilton near Heathrow Airport, that I would be spending the rest of my life with you. Yeah. I know, crazy. Um, bit of context on me as well, guys. So um, I had various long-term relationships with men. Um, and similarly, I guess, to what Vanessa's just said, I had a period of time where I guess I just didn't want to be in relationships anymore. I'd done it from the age of 14 through to 21. Um, so I just had a very fun time in London. Um and all of a sudden, I kissed the girl and then I liked it. And I was like, whoa, what's going on here? Um, and look, we're not going to bore you with the meeting of each other because obviously that's to be discussed over a glass of wine when we uh, meet you at some point. <laughs> but more importantly, um, I hadn't been with a woman before, but I'd also never really met someone with depression or a mental illness. Not by the way, guys, that I had that label on my forehead yeah, when she met no, me. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you were really upfront, weren't you? Yeah, no, I was upfront, but I, I mean, not on the first date. No. So, I mean, we met. How did it plan we out? Went, well, we went on a trip. Um, we weren't together on that trip, but we met each other on that trip. And then a few weeks later, when things did develop, um, <clears throat> you know, we, I was very honest with you because, well, it's, it was hard not to be honest because I was carting around a truckload of tablets. So, you know, anybody that's with you will ask questions about why you've got um, all those tablets and why you're taking them. But having said that, because of my experiences in relationships, um, you, I was just always very upfront about it. And I've got this condition and, and this is how it manifests. And I think from memory, and you're best to tell this story, you know, how did it manifest? Because I told you that I had this condition. I told you knew I was taking medication, but, you know, it's probably useful for the listeners to understand how did it play out for you in those first days? Yeah, yeah it's a really good point. I mean, I hadn't, I guess I was a bit bubbled up in life where I wasn't really ever exposed to kind of that side of the planet, mental illness, mental health, um, kind of unbalance in life. And so when you first told me that you suffered with depression, I'm not going to lie, I freaking Googled it because I was like, well, what's that even mean? By the way, she Googles everything. <laughs> but, but, but I don't, you know, and I'm happy to really speak about this, guys, because there's one thing about being the person with a mental illness 
But then there's also something about being the person that is with someone with mental illness. Um, and there, I have to say there's much out there about it. When you Google depression, it kind of tells you, I don't know, what does it tell you? Should we Google it? Nah, could do. But I mean, there isn't a lot of, there isn't a lot of, there, there, sorry, there is a lot now, I think, for people in terms of access to information. Um, but still, information is never as good as the experience that you have. So we can, inf- we can inform ourselves on everything, but it's only real life experiences that educate us. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because I have just Googled it. Depression is defined as feelings of severe despondency or dejection, but it can also be a long or severe recession in an economy or a market. It's interesting to look at it yeah. that way, isn't it? Um, but look, I, I, Googled, I Googled it and I guess I'm kind of quite a curious person. And so my I think first that's possibly res- the understatement of the whole <laughs> series. But... But, you know, like I was like, okay, so you've just told me that you take these tablets and you've suffered with your mental health for I don't know how many years. And actually, I remember you saying something that really, really helped me and still helps me today. Um, And, you know, for those of you listening who are either partners of someone with a mental illness or you are someone that is suffering with mental illness, I cannot tell you the value of this. She said to me, when I'm feeling low, you're going to feel like it's because of you. And it isn't. Okay. Yeah, I remember that. Because subsequently, I mean, four or five months into our relationship, Vanessa went through a massive abdominal hysterectomy, um, which we're going to talk um, in on in the next episode. But she did... She did dip. And look, for me, I thought she dipped quite badly. For Vanessa's turn, she was like, I'm even freaking touching the surface here. Like, you know, but for me, who's like never been exposed to that kind of part of the world, I was just like, whoa, what's going on? Like, she's basically lying in bed, not wanting to get up. And all she wants to do is work and nothing else. Like, she didn't even have the energy to, like, kiss me good good morning, you know, like nothing, nothing, nothing. And so... I'm really glad Vanessa shared that it's nothing to do with me because the first thing I even thought, even though she told me was, maybe she doesn't like me. Maybe she's fallen out, like maybe she's fallen out of love. Maybe I need to do something different. So I think that was really, really helpful um, in you being up front and you saying that. Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, for, for people out there, um, Esty said, you know, I, she'd never been out with anyone with depression I think when you are the person with a mental illness, uh, and in my case, depression, um, it's really scary uh, to explain or, or, or to uh, to expect people to understand what it really means for them on a day to day. Because, you know, how many times have we heard people speak ill of people who have some sort of mental illness. So, you know, you might know somebody who's going out with somebody and that person might be diagnosed as suffering with depression or anxiety or worse, things like bipolar. And you'll hear people say, oh, I'd avoid that like the plague. Um, so it is scary to be um, upfront, transparent about yeah. it. Um, so I do appreciate a lot of people out there might feel that they can't be or that they won't get what they want if they are. But definitely I was with Esty and it was quite life changing for her in terms of 
trying to understand and work it out. But she makes the point about when I did dip. And like she said, on the scale of dips, it was definitely the periods, the times I've been with Esty, my dips have, have not even really been on the scale that I would consider serious. But their impact on her, yeah. and they definitely impact on me, but it's just all relative. Um, I think the interesting thing is she literally get, I go cold. I become cold yeah. and it's not because I feel less for her or the situation that I withdraw from. It's just the way I protect myself. It's the way it's like having a battery and suddenly it's on the last few bars. You know, you're not going to ramp up all of your activity. You're going to use it sparingly. And that's what happens to me even now with my mental health. If it starts to suffer, I have to use that battery more. Yeah. I think as well, um, you know, it's very easy for someone who lives with someone who's suffering from mental illness to kind of jump into that survivor role. Sorry, not survivor role, saviour role. Saviour. Yeah. So I could have very... Or fixer. Or fixer. fixer, Yeah, fixer-upper. Yeah, absolutely. Like I was only five months into the relationship with you and I could have very easily jumped into, well, I can help you. I can help you get out of this. I can be I can be the one that's going to rescue you and all this. But actually looking back, I think I took two different roles. And they are number one, non-judgmental. Yeah. So thank you, Mama, <laughs> for teaching me how to seriously be non-judgmental. So hierarchy does not in, in does not exist in my brain um i don't i'm curious before i judge so yeah. i i guess i asked you loads of questions i didn't even say anything i just watched you be low and dip and Supported understood me. that i was going to be watching you for the rest of your life like this isn't going to be something that's fixed forever and completely vanished from the planet of the surface surface of the planet but i guess i just watched and watched things happening again and again and again so that i could be your team player and say and I, I, I want to be really clear, like, I wasn't trying to fix her. I just was you were encouraging me. to say, Vanessa, you've now dipped four times in one year. The common thing between those four times is that you worked too hard before it. We need to do something to minimize how much you're working. So I guess I was just like the eagle at the top of all of this, overlooking and going, I can see the trends. I can see the patterns. And and I think this non-judgmental filter of mine really helped that situation yeah it definitely did I mean it's it's true Esty is is wired very specially actually because she doesn't judge which tells me that she doesn't fear as much as other people might fear because we judge when we fear um so you know we judge when we don't understand and, and we usually don't understand what we fear so I think that that does make you um, that that certainly helped me because she was the first person that I'd come across that didn't seem to be frightened um, by what was going on. Um, I'm very fortunate because um, Esty has an exceptionally big brain and the way 
that God. works the You're way that showed up but the way that works and the way that showed up um for anyone that is listening to the podcast that knows her um i always describe her as being the sort of human version of what we um use in sort of manufacturing as um continuous improvement so she's the human version of that so she literally took me i think as a project in continuous improvement and thought right these are the trends these are the spots and she did actually navigate and help me to take control of certain things that I was not taking control of. And the reason I wasn't taking control of them was not because I didn't perhaps know that they were happening. It was because I didn't have somebody that I trusted to support me and make sure I was okay. And I think for people out there who are in this position, you know, a lot of you won't be in relationships like I have been fortunate to be in. Um, but it doesn't have to be your partner. No, absolutely. It, it has to just be somebody that's got your back. Um, and if you haven't got that person, then you need to try and find somebody that has got your back. Yeah. And there are loads and loads of um, groups where you will find those people. But for me, it was lucky because it was Esty and it made it easier. Um, and so, yeah, so the non-judgment was one. What was the second one? I think acceptance is something really key here. And I'm going to tackle it from the angle of, right, so I met Vanessa in a place where she was probably the best she ever was um, in the grand scheme of her life. And so when you meet someone in that position, you kind of don't really accept it that they've got this mental illness. I'm like, how were you ever diagnosed with bipolar? How have you ever been sectioned? How have you ever had electronic compulsive theory and had 19 therapy. tablets? Ther um, ECT, therapy. Yeah. Um, and were taking 19 tablets when you were 31. Like, I just don't, are you the same person? Like, I just didn't, I didn't recognize it. And I have to raise my hand here. Like, she is actually times, raising her hand. I, at times, I would have a conversation with Vanessa and said, dang, like, do you really like, do you really think you're suffering that badly? Like, are you, do you think you're coming out of this? Do you want to, what, what do you want to do? And like, you know, we had conversations about, okay, maybe she should try and come up for medicine. Do you remember this, Nelly? Like, I think I remember, well, I, I remember a lot of times at the start, you really didn't understand. You didn't understand how bad my depression had been yeah. because you just yeah. couldn't link the person that you were with with the person that people around you were telling you I'd been. Yeah. Um, and I think for a period of time, you tried to rationalise that by thinking I'd been in some way, shape or form not depressed. Um, yeah. But then, you know, I have had moments of, I guess, I wouldn't say depression, but low mood, um, which for anybody that suffers you know, it is a scratch of the surface. It was really not a big deal, but it was enough to make Esty see the difference. Yeah, totally. Um, so I think you started to recognise that, I mean, it's, it's very difficult to explain this, but um, it's my capacity to sustain... I have a very high capacity to do things. However if I do everything I'm capable of doing, it's not sustainable. And that's a real challenge on a daily basis for me because um, I probably expect a lot more of myself because I know I can do a lot. Um, and therefore I'm always driving myself to do a lot. Whereas 
most people perhaps don't have the same level of capacity. So therefore, they're never exposing themselves quite to the levels that I have. But I think Esty saw me operate quite a lot in a way that I never gave myself a break. Um, and one of the things she taught me was to um, relax more, actually, which is ir ironic now because I don't think she relaxes very well. But um, she definitely taught me I needed to relax. I remember, actually, when we first met and, I, and you were like, um, when are we going to meet next? And I whacked my file of facts out and I said, well, not free for another three weeks. And she was like, well, what are you doing that Saturday? And I was like, well, I'm having Esty time. Like, I actually scheduled in Esty and me time because why wouldn't you? Like, it's quite nice to have some time on your own. Yeah. No, um, she, she's definitely And now me. she's the one going, I'm going to take myself away to the bedroom because I need some me time. I'm like, all right, yeah. Missy. <laughs> um... So yeah, it's so this this kind of topic of acceptance is is obviously about accepting who not not judging and accepting who someone is, but it's also accepting the condition. Like it's not something that can be swept under the carpet. It's something that needs to be spoken about. Hence why we're doing this podcast. But it's about accepting that this person this person is who they are, and you you won't change them, and you can't change them, and you won't ever you know shouldn't ever try. Yeah, and it's interesting, isn't it? Because when people have relationships with other people and they might have a physical condition, so, you know, whether that be that, I don't know, maybe they've got a bad knee so they can never run a marathon or maybe they have some sort of digestive problem so they can't eat certain foods. What you don't see is relationships, people going, well, you can't eat onions, it's really bad for you, so you give them platefuls of onions. And yet with mental health, um, I think a lot of the time, because, well, I know a lot of the time, people just forget because they don't have the physical reminder. They forget that you have that yeah. um, that problem. And yeah, so, it's not a rash that comes up no, on your arm. No, and, yeah. and so I think accepting that, I mean, I suppose you have, to un you have to understand me. So once you understood me, then you were able to accept my limitations. And by the way, that doesn't make me special because we all have limitations. And I think one of the 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 hardest things in my life is is accept still accepting my limitations and it's not because I haven't got the capacity to do more it's because the cost of me doing more is a price I'm not willing to pay anymore and I think there's a really big third point as well which is around unconditional love and guys this isn't where it's going to get cheesy <laughs> but yeah, but I think a lot of people struggle with unconditional love in the context of a relationship, don't they? Because yeah. I think like people when, think unconditional love is like a baby or Alfie. An animal, yeah. yeah. But, you know, I remember you saying this to me, Vanessa, like, when I'm feeling low, I need you to not think it's about you, which, you know, that really helped me because I'm like, okay, this, this, this gives me some ammunition to go into this with a bit of like a shield. But also... I remember you saying, just tell me you love me and that everything's going to be okay. Because even though you're going to feel like I don't love you and I don't want to be with you anymore and I don't want to see you, I, I, I love you so much that I'm actually showing you my vulnerability. So help me out by kind of reinforcing your love to me. So that was very easy for me because I was, you know, when you were I'm feeling, very lovable. When you, when you were feeling low... I would just tell you that I loved you and that everything's going to be okay and that we're a team and that we're going to come out of it together. I think it's so easy to jump into, 
why are you not kissing me? Why are we not going out for dinner together? Like, why, why, why have you changed all of a sudden? Um, and it's just jumping out of that easy step and taking the harder step actually and going, rewire. I actually really love this person and I want to be with her for the rest of my life. And I want, I want to support her in whatever way I can. And right now, the way I'm going to support her is by saying I love her. Yeah. And you've always been very consistent in that. When Esty sees me getting... Um, a little bit stressed or out of kilter she becomes very very calm very very soft um probably even sometimes to at, at the cost of her own sort of yep. stress yeah um and i think that's another important thing isn't it when you are in a relationship with somebody who has a mental health slash has the propensity to become a mental illness um it's a little bit again like the physical comparison if your partner um has a bad back you won't ask them to move a bed so if somebody has yeah. um, a mental health slash illness condition uh no matter how stressed you might think you are the consequences are probably not going to be as bad as if the person who's got that predisposition um so you kind of have to give and take so i think sometimes in my life people would be like well you know this is no good for me and it's not fair on me um, and, and indeed it, it probably isn't, but unfortunately a lot of life isn't fair. And sometimes we have to comp well, every day we have to compromise in order to iron out that unfairness. And that's what Esty does really well for me. She recognizes that we both suffer at times in our lives with the stresses that everybody suffers with yeah. in their lives. Yeah. However, she knows that her capacity to bounce back from too much stress is actually greater than mine. And as hard as that is even for me to swallow, it is the way it is. And if I ignore that fact because I think, I think it makes me weak or not as capable as other people, then fundamentally I pay the price. Absolutely. Um, there's one other shout out I want to make really. Um, and I think this again is a kind of a helpful tip for everyone. The person that suffers with a mental illness will have a support network around them. Yeah. I think if Not they will don't... have, must have. Mu must have. But I think if they don't, I, I think it's quite impressive that they're still on this planet because without the support network, I think things could get very, very well, sticky. Well, I think there are a lot of people out there who don't unfortunately have the support networks and their life is perhaps an existence rather yeah. than a life. But I mean support network even with like their doctor or yeah, yeah. their sister or their family or their friends, you know, it can it can take various guises. It could even literally be someone ringing someone up and going, I'm feeling low. The, the other thing is nowadays you get all these mental health apps. Like you can actually record day by day how you're feeling. That is a support network, okay? So one thing that I'm very grateful for uh, both Leslie and Achille, who are Vanessa's parents, is they said to me, Esty, we have lived with Vanessa for 35 years. We know how to deal with her. Don't feel like you're on your own, Esty. Like, come and talk to us if it's getting sticky. Come and come and talk to me about the situation. And if anything, I'll be able to help you. Um, and I think it's find the person's support network and rinse the information from it because it will only help you cope with the situation. It, it's, it, it basically means you don't have to start from the beginning and reinvent the wheel on how to 
live with this person. Like there will be experiences and history that you can learn from um, to, to make your situation easier. Um, and, you know, with that comes vulnerability. Like it's very easy for your ego to override yourself and go, I don't need help from anyone. I can do this myself. I'm Vanessa's partner and I'm going to be able to cope with this. But I just kind of stepped into this role of, I have no idea how to cope with, with someone with depression and I'm going to lean on people that do. Yeah, but you're very good at that. And for a lot of people, that's hard. And that is a really key point to make that you need to tap into the support networks yeah. and you need to um, listen to what other people can share with you because it is going to be invaluable. Um, but, you know, to kind of summarise the position when I met you, I met you at a better point in my life and that was a better foundation to then build what has subsequently turned out to be um, a pretty good marriage. <laughs> yeah. Are you quizzing? No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, baby girl. Um, yeah, I, I think this is a good uh, time to kind of summarise the... Oh, give me a hand, darling. Don't worry. Um, as you guys know, I like to close with three statements. So the first thing I want to encourage you guys to take away from this podcast is what Vanessa said around don't judge, otherwise you'll fear. So judgment in itself is bad because you'll always see the negative of something, but it's even worse because it'll create a filter in you that mean that you'll fear the situation. Um, and guess what? That doesn't help you or the person. So just watch yourself and listen to yourself. What, what, like listen to what you're saying or what you're doing with people and just stop yourself when you think you're judging yourself. Yeah, absolutely critical. Let's just not judge because judge, judgment is just fear. So where we have fear, we need to go inward yeah. and work out what we're fearful of. And, you know, get you guys, get yourself allies, like get your best friend who you hang around with a lot and you go out on social occasions with say to them, look, I want to know whether I'm a judgmental person or whether I judge a lot. Can you pull me up when that happens? When you hear it, when you hear me say it, like pull me up on it. Because and just for context, I'm probably the most judgmental person I know apart from my dad. Um, and I've had to like really work on that yeah. because when you dig deeper, judgment is a lack of understanding or fear. Um, and, and, and as I say, Esty's really good at not being judgmental. Um, and the second takeaway that I would give you guys is... Find someone that has your back, both from a perspective of being the person with mental illness. So find someone that has your back if you suffer with mental illness, but also find someone that has your back if you are living with someone. If you're, if you're the recipient <laughs> of mental illness. Exactly. Yeah. So just get yourself buddies, get yourself allies, get someone that has your back because they will be invaluable to the greater good of that situation. So in terms of following us, please follow us. So the more people that follow us, the more people get the benefit from what we're discussing. And the message gets podcast. out there. Yeah, the message gets out there. Follow us on Instagram. Our Instagram is literally just unhappy, not ill. No full stops, commas or underscores. Uh, just unhappy, not ill. And if you haven't yet, follow this podcast so you know exactly when the next episode is coming out. Um, and just a bit of a teaser. So our 10th episode is called The Climax. Um, this is when the 43 years of Vanessa's life culminate into a series of shitstorms that 
finally make a wake up. <laughs> I wouldn't say finally, they force the issue. Yeah, they force the issue. Absolutely damn right. So um, that's what we're going to talk, be talking about in the next episode. I wish you all a really good day. Thank you so much for listening. Bye bye. See you next time. <laughs>